Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Well, welcome back, y'all. I hope you had a great weekend out there in the stand. You've, the days are starting to narrow down, and we're getting closer and closer to deer season. Uh, you're, you're finding the sign that you want. The trail cram photos are coming in. The food plots are coming up, and you're just you're you're doing everything you can to to nest and get the fidgets out your system because you you're just looking for that first cool breeze in the trees at least i know i am y'all might be doing fishing or not quite there but i know myself and some other diehards are out there just begging to scratch that itch but uh today we got a couple guests on the line that i think you're really going to enjoy a couple of fine fellows from from the state of ohio they're going to be discussing whitetail hunting up there in their neck of the woods how they do it and uh tie some stores into that i know that y'all are stores would would help y'all with uh, that summer itch for for deer season but before we get to that i'd just like to thank our title sponsor wild edge incorporated you've heard us talk about them time and time again they're a fine group of individuals up there making the best uh steps that you can give them a chance go to www.wildedgeinc that's inc.com see what they have to offer i guarantee you it'll be the last set of uh, steps and climbing system to get you up and down the tree i use them for everything from hanging tree stands to uh hanging trail cameras so give them a shot well guys we'll get right to it on the line i have got byron horton and david e bright from the whitetail experience how y'all doing doing well man how you doing today doing good i'm here we had some it seems like uh, the past couple of weeks every episode we've had some kind of technical difficulties i think that's part of it but uh layton couldn't be here today he's gonna be back very shortly all's well we're getting close but our season starts september 16th and uh that seems like it's right around the corner. Oh yeah, it's it's getting closer every day. Can't wait. And yet now, when we were talking earlier, you said that your season starts about September, the end of September, most seasons, correct? Yeah, it's a uh, floating date here in Ohio. It's the uh, last Saturday in September. There you go. And but what, when does y'all's deer season run through? When's the end date typically? The first weekend in February. That's not that's so a, that's it, a really generous a season. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, <laughs> there is ample opportunity, that's for sure. 
I, I, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about this, and that that kind of caught me off guard a little bit because, you know, being in the South, we tend to have the the longest, most liberal seasons, and I think that's the first that y'all probably got the longest season in the Midwest, right? I do believe so. Yeah, I would, I would think so. So, in in the state of Florida, the the terrain changes so much that we have uh, four hunting zones, and if you really wanted to, you could chase deer down in Miami all the way up to the Panhandle, starting, uh, I believe the first week of august which will be next week all the way through february 22nd um, oh wow yeah so I'm, I'm not crazy enough to go down there to miami and hunt in 100 degree weather like some of those boys are i guess the itch gets bad enough if you're down there but uh what what are y'all up to this time of year what is what is the whitetail experience crew doing the, in the summertime to to get ready for an awesome bow season um i would say uh this time of year you know we're definitely uh kind of getting ready and scouting some of our spots that we plan to try to hunt this year. We're doing some trail camera work, hanging cameras, checking cards. Um, you know, we're living in Ohio, but we live in a city. So it's, uh, you know, it's an hour plus drive to a lot of our locations. So it's, you know, it's work just going to just go check a card. You know, we can't just walk out in our, our backyard and check a camera like, uh, like some people can here in Ohio. And then, uh, we're also, you know, Byron's hot and heavy with some of the whitetail experience stuff as far as uh, producing and whatnot. Yeah, like we, uh, you know, this summer we've been doing a few things. Obviously, the card pulling is, is huge strategy. Um, but another thing we're doing is a little bit of road scouting where we can. Um, try to time that up with, with opti- optimal weather conditions and, and moon phases. Um, another thing I do a lot of personally is uh, – you know, I do have access to two small tracts of land, and I've gotten really big into uh, timber stand improvement and that kind of thing. I, I don't have access to do food plots, but I have really got into the oh timber side of things as far as hinge cuts, um, canopy work, invasive species. So uh, never a dull moment, that's for sure. You know, it's funny. My wife uh, was not of the hunting ilk uh, when we met and I always used to tell her, well, hunting season is from this date to this date, you know, and we did long distance for, for the longest of time. So when we finally got together and hunt season rolled around and, uh, or not hunting season, but just the summertime got here and I'm out scouting and everything. I remember just her remarking, you know, I thought you said hunt season was, you know, October to December or something like that. And it occurred to me a couple of years back, probably about five years now that, uh, hunting season is year round. If, if you're, uh, I, I guess you'd say ate up with it like it sounds like y'all are yeah definitely and uh this time of year it's it's always like uh it's always like kind of a mad scramble i think it feels like every year you're always you always <laughs> got stuff to do and it's just you know the end of july it's yeah, it's yeah, it starts getting closer and closer well and, and it creeps up on you too you know when you're back in in uh march and april it's like oh god i'm not even gonna count the days and then it seems like every day or every summer I'm sitting there at the desk. I'm thinking, God, it's just, I wish deer season be, I wonder how many days it is. And then somehow it managed to be sub 100 days. And, and from that point on, it just seems to speed up faster and faster. And, and I'll be it. I've been asking for it to, to speed up. I, I tend to, at the end of every summer, be like, God, I wish I had more time. <laughs> exactly. I got all kinds of areas. I wanted to get boots on the ground in this summer and just haven't happened yet. So it was just, I'll probably just go check them out here in October. I didn't really, I went right into what y'all are doing this summer. Why don't y'all uh, real quick elaborate a little bit on, on, on what Whitetail Experience is and what y'all are doing and kind of give the listeners a, a, a brief explanation of who y'all are, a little introduction. I should have gave that to you at the beginning. I apologize. 
Oh, that's all right. No, the uh, Whitetail Experience is a brand of guys that want to represent the average Joe in the hunting world. Uh, we hunt a few small acre farms totaling less than 50 acres and a bunch of public ground. Uh, we don't have big budgets. Um, we film it as is. We, you know, want to stand for that for that average guy, but we also want to produce some content that maybe the, those those guys wanting to take the next step um, in their deer hunting progression, you know, can can feed off of us and some of the information we have um, because we do so much public ground scouting. That strategy is a lot different. Um, you know, we have I feel like a, a decent amount of deer knowledge and want to convey that in our product. Um, as well as produce something of quality. You know, when you scroll through our social media, it's crisp and clean. And, you know, we try to produce short videos that, that are are visually, you know, good and, and not just, you know, a bunch of cell phone clips thrown together. So, you know, the other thing that I think helps our product, you know, and our brand is, is that small parcel piece too. We do tie some of that in. And a lot of guys have access to grandpa's 30 acres or a 10-acre patch of woods behind their house. Um, but you hunt those places a lot different than the guy who even has, say, a hundred acre farm or, or several hundred acres. So we feel, you know, we want to produce that that brand that people can really relate to and tie tie to. And I think you do a phenomenal job. I mean, to the extent I've always been squeamish of hunting public land. Um, I've always felt like being here down here in the southeast that uh, our public land is is you know overly saturated with hunters and. Uh, through you know listening to a variety of people i found that quite frankly up there uh northern ohio pennsylvania y'all are really michigan even i believe y'all have a pile of hunters on public land and y'all get out there on these parcels and still get it done and that's kind of inspired me this year to start uh, checking out public land down here since we have so much of it and so few hunters and uh it's because of that relatability you know y'all aren't out there on a uh a large lease that y'all can privately manage y'all are trying to do the best you can as uh, the average Joe, Joe, the plumber does, and, and you do a really good job. Yeah. I was wondering when you, uh, when you put that orange paracord on your stand, you said, so other hunters can see it on your back. I was wondering like, man, how many hunters <laughs> out there? Like, well, dude, that's good to get shot. <laughs> well, so I hunted public land for whitetail one time in, uh, Southeast Georgia. And I had a, a small sapling next to me explode from a bullet where a hunter thought I was a deer, which I, I don't know how you mistake a man with an orange cap, an orange vest on, and no tree stand strapped to his back, nothing to impair that, how you uh, mistake that as a whitetail. But that uh, I promptly turned around, about-faced, and, and got back to that truck mighty quick. So I was sitting there <laughs> thinking, if that could happen uh, with nothing on my back and I go put a tree stand on the back with a backpack, uh, that has me a little a little squeamish. I, I'm, not a, <laughs> too, I'm not afraid to admit that, so... Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, so we have the bow season up here, and then we obviously have our scattered, um, pretty short gun seasons kind of mixed in. Um, definitely during during gun season, it's it's a whole nother precaution. But bow season, you know, I, I guess I wouldn't go as far as thinking someone was going to shoot me where I would put an orange on my sure. stand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in the I mean, you probably already know this, but down here we have really long gun seasons. I mean, that's the yeah. that's the majority of our season. So if I'm going to be hunting public land, anything besides the first three weeks of the season, uh, I, I'm going to be out there with people with you know 300 wind mags and 308s. Um, so yeah, we have that long season, like we kind of explained. But basically, after that, after gun season hits, um, 
it's pretty it's pretty slim pickings on public land. Ooh. <laughs> really? Yeah, unless yeah, it I gets mean, rough. You get late season and it gets real cold late seasons. We do have like a late muzzleloader season too, um, which I think they actually even pushed back another week this year coming up. Um, so normally like uh, you have like a month or so after that last muzzleloader season, you can kind of get some decent late season hunting if it's cold enough. Um, but other than that, after that first gun season, which is uh, which is normally the the week, week after Thanksgiving, we have our gun season, our shotgun season, which is a week long. But after that, yeah, hunting's pretty pretty much done for, for me for the most part. Now, is that because of, of conditions or the way the deer are moving at that point? I mean... Yeah, deer movement, deer movement just sightings. Okay. Um, you know, and it's just, yeah, it's... <laughs> unless it's, like I said, unless late, late, like real late, that last couple weeks of January, it gets real cold. Then you can have some success late season here, but after gun season hits on public land, those deer just don't move, or they've they've moved off to safer ground. Well, that that kind of makes sense after the Orange Army's had their uh, their fill exactly. of the woods. I I was talking to another fellow who who hunts in Pennsylvania, and he said that he got there two hours to a stand. He got to a stand location two hours in advance, and thought he had hiked all the way, you know, to where he thought he was off the road. Evidently, he got lost, and he was facing. Uh, a, another ridge with a road on it that he didn't, you know, realize. And he said that, you know, 30 minutes before daylight, he had 37 trucks come down the road. I was like, Oh, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I believe it. I went, to, uh, I took, uh, my, I took my cousin hunting once, uh, we both took off work opening day gun season. He never killed deer before. And I was like, I got some spots we can go to way off the road. And I said, well, we'll hike and hike back in there real early. And we hiked and hiked our tail off. I passed, three people with lights but we had hiked so far like so we kind of is a public land and so we kind of got back near where locals people whose properties backed up to the public were able to access it from the backside. so we saw all these headlights here's a headlight walk a little further no another person flashed a headlight at me three people flashed their headlights at us we walked down i was like well we're gonna go down this bottom i was like we'll sit together we'll go down this real low creek bottom it's real thick we won't be able to see very far but with all these people in the woods they're all these deer are gonna get funneled down in here real tight and it made it one hour later here come two bucks come strolling towards us uh the first one was a was a smaller one and the second one was a was a fairly large one and i hadn't filled my buck tag yet so naturally, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I said, I said, you shoot the first one, <laughs> and then I'll shoot the bigger one. <laughs> uh, that we let that first one get to about fifteen yards from us, man, and 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 he was kind of sitting where they came from. My cousin, he was slightly, slightly behind me, and, uh, and I remember saying to whispering to him, "Don't shoot me." <laughs> <laughs> and then, so he 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 starts letting them fly, and uh, I ended up. Uh, having to stand up and and run over the hill and look over this little knoll and was able to sh- and I ended up shooting the bigger one and, and and killing the bigger one. He ended up missing that that short that smaller one. I think I don't even think he aimed because it was just 15 yards away. He's probably just shaking like a leaf. Never never killed a deer before, you know. But tell tell him about the drag out after that. Oh yeah, it was it was a long drag out. Oh yeah, so I shot this buck. So I, I we were allowed to hold three three bolts in the chamber, and so I. Uh, I dropped, I shot him, I shot through, I shot all three times. After my three shots rang out, he runs off into like a little thick area. I, I couldn't see him fall. I hear a shot from about 400 yards up on the hill, and we're using shotguns, you know, mind you. And and this guy, I didn't even know he was up there, just let, let a bullet fly at that buck. And, uh, and so then 
on when we went and got that buck, we uh, it was a long drag out too, but we definitely uh, we, we drug it we drug it past those guys, and I don't think they were too happy. <laughs> <laughs> so so you're you're telling me your cousin missed with a shotgun? Yeah, well, it's a uh, we're using slugs. Oh, okay, all right, uh, yeah. that's a valid excuse. Okay. Yeah, you're only allowed to use uh, slugs here in Ohio. Really, no buckshot. No. Nope. nope. And uh, they just, they just started letting uh, some straight wall rifle laws here. Just was it two years ago? Yeah, that uh-huh. or the muzzleloader is kind of your your couple options there. Yeah, man, you yeah. bet. You, yeah, that's uh, you. If they tried to do that down here, uh, there'd be a pile of so. Well, now you know what on public land you can't. It just occurred to me you can't use uh, buckshot on most public land. It, oh, okay. I, I'm a so I, I haven't picked up. I haven't touched the rifle in in over ten years. I've been bow only since then. So. When it comes to things like that, I've had to reacquaint myself a little bit for public land because I just, I get just tell me when the season starts, I'm good from you know the beginning of the season to the <laughs> end. So uh, we were looking at doing a hog hunt here not too long back, and I was like, oh man, you know, I don't know if the the, the rifle sided in. I'll just grab the the, the I'm, I'm on the phone with my buddy who's lived here forever. So I'll just grab my shotgun and we'll we'll shoot you know shoot some buckshot. And he goes, whoa, whoa no, you trying to get a ticket? No. Well, you can't use buckshot. Well, dadgummit. So I just, I just stayed at home. I didn't even go. But uh, yeah, that's that's my fault for buying and selling. A, uh, I didn't time it right. I had a, I had a hog season, and instead of hunting the hog season and then selling the bow and buying a new one, I sold my old bow and then, and then bought a new one. And now I'm, it'll be here Thursday. But I've missed all the hog season this summer, so I could have scratched that itch. But uh, yeah, <laughs> instead I'm, I'm stuck here just waiting. Yeah, we have very uh, few hogs here in ohio so that's uh it'd, it'd, be, it'd be cool to shoot one but <laughs> i'm shocked to hear that y'all have any yeah there, there's, there's always a, a there's small always, portion yeah there's always some that like pop up at different farms here and there that's more like uh southern ohio southeastern yeah. ohio yeah oh man that's a scourge i hope never really breaks out there in ohio because i'll be it they're fun to shoot in the summertime they just wreck deer hunting yeah in ag- really? agriculture yeah they're, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know, but I've, uh, you know, we don't have them, so I didn't know. I don't know anything about hogs, really. Well, I mean, some people tell you otherwise. There's, you know, for every person that tells you that, uh, you know, if you have hogs in the area, there won't be deer there. There'll be somebody who will tell you that uh, uh, don't don't listen to that person. He doesn't know what he's he's talking about. You know, opinions are like buttholes. Everybody's got one. But yeah. uh, my personal philosophy: if there's even the slightest hog sign in the area, I don't even fool around with it, man. I so most most of of Florida's, you know. Uh, WMAs and national forests; those are all swamp lands. So naturally speaking, you know you can't and you can't hunt hogs year round. So they just get in there; they they're they they you know reproduce and they just it's uh it it it's a pain in the butt, man. And farmers, my God, I think I think I saw somewhere where they do like five hundred billion dollars in crop damage every year in the South. I mean, it's 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 bad, and the state doesn't do anything to really help uh, the situation. They're kind of ter- that the plantations in the southern part of the state. Uh, make a fair living in the summertime, having people come in from Ohio or Pennsylvania where there uh, aren't as many hogs, and they'll come down here and, and spot and stalk them out here in these big grassland uh, cattle pastures that they have. And I think because of that, they really haven't made the strong effort to get rid of them. But I really wish they would. They're just they're they they'll devastate turkey populations because they go through and they eat up all the nests. You know, they'll go through and wipe out a nest of uh, eggs in no time flat. Huh. Yeah. So. It's it is what it is. You just learn to deal with them. But uh, maybe y'all y'all need to come down here one day and we'll we'll shoot some Osceola turkeys and uh, 
and some hogs at the same time. <laughs> yeah, Byron tried his hand at turkey hunting this year. We're not, <laughs> we're not real. We don't really turkey hunt much. Uh, you know, I wouldn't mind getting into it, but as I don't know, just that time of year, it's just not. Uh, I don't know. I I just never gotten into to chasing turkeys. I guess. Yeah. Don't do it. Byron tried this year. I, I think he tried and uh, definitely failed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, somebody just backed the bus up on you there, Byron. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> we'll, we'll stick to whitetails. Yeah, so it, yeah. I, I, I'll throw I'll throw this one little disclaimer out there. I've been chasing turkeys for uh, five and a half years now, and I've yet to pull the trigger. So, uh, you're 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 in good company. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, let's let let's kind of backtrack just a touch. Y'all y'all hunt small private tracks. What's the biggest private track that y'all have to hunt? You'll laugh. It's a uh, my family's farm, 18 acres, in uh, kind of like eastern Ohio, um, all wooded, no no food plots, none of that. So it, it's a uh, yeah, small little track. But heck, uh, I've been successful back to back years at, at killing Pope and young deer, which I think most people would be uh, tickled to death to do. Absolutely. Now, was that the farm that you killed your uh, Ohio rut? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was the uh, the video. If you you see it out there on YouTube, um, the whitetail experiences. Type that in. You'll see our, our section of videos, and uh, yeah, that was the the rut, rut buck this uh, this year. And man, uh, this year was a grind for sure. Uh, that buck happened after nine days of getting up at you know three thirty a.m. and uh, probably ninety percent of those hunts on on that video are public land. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, I couldn't have been happier. So the, if the biggest track is eighteen and it's all wooded, that's why you've been getting into timber management and hinge cutting, I assume. Yeah. So yeah, I do a lot of, I've done a lot of hinge cutting and, you know, you kind of start that process at an elementary level, just doing some basic hinge cuts, you know, cut half to three quarters of the way through and tip it over. Um, and then, you know, you gradually improve to say some canopy work where you may clip certain branches off your maples so that your, your oaks that are teenagers or about the size of baseball bats get that sunlight because oaks in their teenage years really react well to more sunlight um, same thing with like beech trees. Um, then I would say I've also progressed to what I've learned as far as buck beds are concerned. Now, okay, when I make a hinge cut or if I make a bedding area, am I making a doe bedding area? Or maybe I'll just do one specific cut to try and create a single buck bed. Um, so I feel like that's a skill set of mine and, and a knowledge base that, that I've progressed over the last couple of years. And um, this year out of my place, I, I've cut some vines. I've did some invasive species work as well. Um, so that's something I feel I have a, a decent handle on. So how many years before you start to see the fruits of your labors in that regard? Cause you know, that I would think that, a you know, a food plot, you plant it and they come. How long before you see the result of this timber management? Yeah, that, that to me is more of a one to two years before you really start seeing it. And then by year three, you'll walk out there to turkey hunt and be like, I can't see 20 yards in this area or 10 yards even in different areas. Um, that does take some time to develop um, and, and see the results. Um, it's something too, like you know, if if you're good, if you're good at it, you can perform in say March before spring green up and, and forest growth happens. Uh, I'm more, you know, based on leaves and 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 that kind of thing. I don't feel comfortable cutting a tree unless I can really see the leaves on it. So I have to wait you know, till summer. And at that point, a lot of your, your spring growth where you get those, those thicker areas, you know, can't happen until the following year. <clears throat> that makes, that makes total sense. 
you how long ago did you start your timber management oh it was probably four or five years ago yeah i, I think five years ago so did that play, um, did that play a role in in the harvest of that uh, 2016 buck yeah, I think a combination of that and, and hunting tactics, too, have changed a lot for me in, in those five years. I, I think I've evolved as a hunter from, you know, hunting that place every weekend when I first, you know, we first got it to now I hunt the place maybe four, four or five times, you know, a year, sure. um, selecting those optimal opportunity rates and, and playing weather conditions, Um I, I've just advanced as a hunter and realizing that that quality sit is way, you know, super important. Um, it's a less is, less is more game. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That, that's kind of been my approach here lately as well. I, I think, uh, I think I don't, I didn't really begin to mature as a, as a deer hunter until about three years ago. And uh, it was one of those deals where, you know, I had a lot of old school mentors and their idea was if you sit in the stand long enough, eventually you'll see something, you know, that kind of flies directly in the face of what you're saying here, where you wait for a certain set of, of weather conditions to, to determine your hunt. What, what specifically to you, what, what, spe- what specific weather conditions are you looking for when you're on uh, the website before you'll go in there and hunt? So I would say number one, if I'm looking at my 18 acres and I'm, I'm trying to be strategic, I look at time of year. I will not touch my property until the last weekend of October, um, you know, assuming I've got decent weather conditions. And what I'm looking for there is a cold front and maybe even a weather system pushing through. Um, I'm looking, and, and the reason that weather system's pushing through that last week of October, those bucks start to hit the scrapes. And I have a stand that sits 50 yards into my property that I can get to, and traditionally there are a few scrapes in that area where I feel I can catch a buck, and I've only you know intruded 50 yards on my place, and and then I'm back to the road. So that that first hunt of the year is is I can definitely kill a deer there. Um, I'm not trying to shoot a doe there, but I I feel I can kill a buck there that last week of October, um, and I'm trying to time it to where he might be a little more active hitting some scrapes in daylight, you know, getting a weather system to push through overnight would almost be the most ideal situation. Uh, generally then you get a temperature drop. And again, I've only gone 50 yards into my place. So when I wait for that first week of November, I haven't busted through, you know, my whole 18 acres. I've literally only walked 50 yards from the road. Do you attribute, do you attribute your back to back year success with just that, that limited pressure and then a, a, a limited entry route on top of that? Uh, limited pressure for sure. Um, I essentially know a few of my neighbors hunt. I see headlamps come in like 10 minutes before sunrise. I know they hunt their place <laughs> almost every weekend. So my strategy is to create that, that 18 acres to be a safety zone for that deer. And, and I have a seven acre sanctuary set up. So all of October while they're hunting away, hunting hard, grinding those days out, I'm just gathering some does. I'm gathering more deer. Um, to me, uh, you know, being smart there is really starting to pay off. Yeah, I, I can, I, I've personally seen the same results. Uh, I've got a small acre. Well, it's not really small. It's a, I've got a 120 acre farm that I hunt on the east side of town. And I, I designated a, about a 50 acre chunk of that square in the middle, uh, that is sanctuary. I just don't go in there at all. I don't hang trail cameras. I don't, I don't set foot in there. 
uh, until like, you know, March or April the next year, just to kind of see what's in there, what kind of rubs. And it's it, that 50 acres is the high point between, uh, it's actually completely encircled by a big U shaped swamp bottom. And then on the other side of that, that U shaped swamp bottom, it, the topography starts to trend upward and you have uh, deer hunting leases on either side of that 120 acres. So 360 degrees around that piece of property, you've got whitetail hunters in there every weekend. I can I see them coming down the road. They're in there every weekend. And that uh, that outer perimeter, I very seldomly hunt even during the early season. But that, that core is just a safe place for them. And I've got more photos since, since I stayed out of there uh, starting year two. I, I've seen more deer, I've seen bigger deer, and I've had more deer on photos during the daylight than I than I would have ever believed before. So, I I I'm in the same camp as you. That limited entry and uh, access is kind of important. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of also how like Dave and I started this whole whitetail experience thing. Um, we we knew each other in college, but I saw post college Dave was starting to have success on on some public. Um, and I saw the value in, I still wanted to deer hunt, but I needed to have multiple other places to really dive in, you know, and, and hunt in October. And, and even November, I, I saw the value that he was killing some nice bucks and I, I needed, you know, a good mentor. And I looked to Dave, I said, I know some deer hunting, but I, I see, you know, a whole different side of this game. Let's, let's kind of link up and, you know, you know, better my hunting personally. And, and and I think we now bounce stuff off each other and have become much better. Uh, but I saw that that being a huge part of my game to improve my my private land strategy was to hunt other places. So so Dave, your your component that you kind of bring to the table, if I heard correctly, is is you're mainly a public land hunter. Yep, public land. I've uh, been public land only uh, basically since I started hunting. I kind of got into bow hunting a little later. Um, twenty twenty one years old. Twenty eight now. I just got into it a little bit in college, and then. I didn't get serious about it till a few years later than that. <laughs> I haven't really been serious bow hunter for too long, but I learned it quick. <laughs> well, you, you also you get you get it done on public land with a recurve. I mean, that's uh, you want to talk about yeah, handicapping well, yourself from the beginning being on public land, but then with the recurve, man, that's a whole new level of badass. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I was on, so I went recurve the last the past two seasons been recurve. Before that was. Uh, uh, was compound training wheels yeah exactly <laughs> wheels are <for> parts. <laughs> he, he's being a little modest in my opinion so young guy in his, his his hunting career has killed three pope and youngs in five years on public ground i mean whoa yeah i i i he, he does have a little streak going and, and this is also something we talked about he was passing pope and young deer because of watching all the TV shows and what's out there. <laughs> I oh, mean, th- this dude, he, he's done well. I, yeah, them TV shows fooled me when I was first getting into bow hunting. Seeing <laughs> them, yeah. All the uh, all the Lukoskis and Kiskis and stuff shooting these giants left and right. I was, I was, I thought I was going to be one of those. Yeah, well, Dave and I, between the two of us, had a couple of years where we probably passed, uh, between the two of us, either five or six Pope and Youngs on public because we're like, oh, we're waiting for the – the 160s that's what the tv shows show and that was just you know being um not aware of what the the top bucks were in the area sure because the industry doesn't show that or 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 is is just now really starting to to show more of that i think it's improving but 
you know, two guys that that are early in their hunting careers, we thought, oh, we need to be killing 160s. We've killed a couple of these smaller bucks. We're going to let the, the Pope and Youngs go. Well, you know, I mean, hell, even YouTube now will ruin you. If you get on YouTube on the wrong day and you get to looking at, uh, uh, you know, I, I was bored at lunch today and I'm sitting here thinking about topics. I said, man, I got to watch a hunting video. So I went on there and I just did, you know, because I'm talking to you, Ohio public land bow kills or cell film like that. I watched like six videos. I was like, God, they got some big old deer on public land up there in Ohio. And, <laughs> you know, it's, so that expectation is not hard to, to, to create just by looking at what's being produced. You're right. What, yeah. At, what at what was the, I'm I'm always curious in this. What was the breaking? Well, maybe not the breaking point, but what was the shifting uh, point for y'all when when you 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 just, you hung up the idea of a 180, 170 inch buck, and you said, you know, we're, we're passing up bucks that uh, the majority of America would love to kill. What 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 occurred there? Oh, from uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think there I had any major moments. It's just like I went a couple years without without killing a buck at all and i was just kind of just like screw this like, <laughs> i want to i want to see something and yeah just i mean that was basically it and then well i was kind of like screw this i'm dropping my standards down i'm gonna shoot you know a decent next decent buck that i get this this coming season and then of course like the first buck that came in range was like uh you know mid 140s you know that i <laughs> my biggest buck to date <laughs> But that year, I wasn't. My standards were pretty low that year. <laughs> I ended up shooting my biggest buck I ever shot, so <laughs> I just kind of got lucky. Well, I mean, I'd rather be lucky than good sometimes, depending on the outcome. Uh... Yeah, we definitely play the rut game here. Um, we're, 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 I know, uh, I know you talked to to Greg, um, yep. Bohun. Yeah, he's a he's a early season guy. Um, you know, hunting buck beds and stuff. We're trying that more, but for now, we've just kind of been doing the rug game, just kind of finding our doe bedding areas, um, hunting them accordingly um, for cruising bucks. You know, we're working our the thermals and the winds and whatnot, and trying to find the cruising bucks during the rut. And uh, you know, a lot of times it's you, you don't know what bucks are in the area. You know, he's you just you never know. It's like you got you know you know how it is in the rut. I mean, bucks might travel five miles. You know, I might be shooting some buck that's that's first time ever been in that area. He's just coming through there looking for a doe, and he, you know, you just kind of hunt the the losing spots basically. But we're we're going to dive into some of the early season stuff this year a little bit more. We've 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 done some buck bed scouting and whatnot, and we're going to give that a try. But we've basically just been playing the rut game, and every buck that comes by is a surprise, and that's 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 pretty fun in in, in my mind. Yeah, after talking to Greg, you know, uh, October was for does, in my opinion, you know, previously, uh, prior to that episode, and I got to talking to him, and I got on the hunting beast, and I started looking at these guys that are killing some stud bucks in Ohio, and I went out to a new piece of property, there were a pile of south-facing slopes, and, uh, which was kind of unique, there was a, uh, a, a spring coming out of the ground, so it was one of the few areas uh, I'd say within miles around that had any real major topography to it, you know? Uh, and by major, I mean, from the top of the hill to the bottom of the hill might've been a hundred feet, but you know, on the panhandle of Florida, that's a, you know, a pile of a topography and I'm, I'm out there brush busting the other day and, and I was like, Oh man, that's a bed. A deer has been laying there. You know, that's cool. So I keep, I keep moseying along. I find another deer bed about 200, 300 yards further past that. I was like, man, it sure looks like only one deer is using that. I bet you it's a big deer. I'm riding home in the truck, and all of a sudden it hits me. I said, I bet you that was a south-facing slope. 
So I, I pulled over <laughs> to the side of the road and I pulled it up. Sure enough, it was south facing and, and uh, you looked at the topography. So I'm going to sneak back in there at some point. There's a trail headed back into the, it's, and it's some thick stuff too, man. I mean, it's just, I don't know how you'd even get in there without blowing everything out in a quarter mile radius. It's so thick, but uh, I'm going to get back in there and, and try and hang a trail camera on one of those trails coming to and from it just to kind of see what, uh, what's moving in there. But that's, that, that's kind of been an exciting thing for me because of the, the prospect of being able to kill a big buck a couple weeks before the rut. That's, uh, you know, that, that, that extends the uh, most exciting part of the season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was the same way with you, you know, I, I always shot does early as well. Um, you know, early on in my bow hunting career. And I remember the, the year I shot that, that, uh, that, that bigger buck, he had, he had matching split brow tines. Um, but he, uh, I went in there like first week of October and hunted this new spot I've never been to. It's a creek bottom in between, in between two fields, um, um, and the edges of the fields are thick. And this creek bottom itself had a lot of acorns in it. And uh, so I went in there first time ever, just kind of checking it out, hung a stand in there, and I saw like 13, 14 does in there that morning. And my buddies are all giving me crap because I didn't I didn't shoot one. And I'm like, you know, like I'm a, I'm gonna wait till the conditions are right, and I'm gonna come back here first week of November, the first chance I get, first north wind I get, because the north wind was kind of what I needed. And uh, I think I got north wind on like a Wednesday, so of course I was sick that day from work. <laughs> and uh, I went in there, and uh, I don't know if you can picture it. So I got the two fields on my right and left, and the uh, at the backs of the fields is where the hill starts and the hill goes up and that's towards the north. And so I'm hunting right there in the right there in the bottleneck of that little creek bottom pinch and I'm thinking that I'm going to get some bucks that evening cruising you know just above those two fields and cutting cutting between them both and kind of scent checking the area with the uh with the thermals rising, you know, and then uh and then also, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking that's going to happen, and all of a sudden, I got this buck that comes comes out from the dead north of me, and he's coming straight down the hill, straight at me. I'm, I'm in a climber at this time, um, in a terrible tree for where he's coming from. I'm, I'm like looking behind me, like, man, he's going to see me. There's no doubt he's going to see me. And uh, so he comes right at me, and you know he closes the distance from about 120 to about 20 yards in about five seconds, it feels like. I'm not ready at all by the time he gets there. And he starts sniffing around, and he ends up winning me. He ended up, uh, you know, catching my thermals, I'm guessing. And uh, and so we're just, he's just, we're just staring at each other. I got my hand on my release. I was using the compound. And I'm, we're just staring at each other, staring at each other. And he hunkers down, starts getting fidgety. I can tell he's about to blow out of there. And so I just went ahead and just drew back with him staring at me. And uh, and I tried to pinwheel him. I tried to get him right there in the crease of the shoulder. And uh, I think he ended up dropping. I ended up shooting him like in the neck, kind of. If you could, <laughs> if you could picture it. And uh, I mean, this man, I'll tell you what. I shot him in the neck. He made a crazy grunt sound, and he ran about 25 yards. Started stumbling, stumbling. I'm sitting here like doing what he do on camera. You know, I'm like, go down, go down, go down. <laughs> and, and he does it, and he runs up like another like 70 yards and starts stumbling around again. And he goes over the hill. And, uh, here's the funny part about this story. So, so I call my buddy, um, he's, he's a good friend of mine. I grew up with him and he's, he's, he's part of the white tail experience. Uh, he, uh, we called him, I called him and say, I just shot one. I was like, uh, he's like, all right, he doesn't even ask any questions. Says, I'll be down there. So he, him and his, uh, dad and another one of my buddies ended up, they all came down 
And uh, funny thing about it is uh, my buddy was planning on proposing to his now wife that night. And I basically oh, no. ruined, no. ruined, yeah, I ruined the proposal. <laughs> he, he canceled his proposal to come down and help me track this buck. And uh, they're like, where do you think you hit him at? And I'm like, I think I hit him in the shoulder. I'm, I'm not sure. You know, at that time, I didn't know I shot him in the neck. <laughs> but so so we're tracking this blood trail. I mean, it is a red carpet all the way, you know. And so we just kept walking. He's always going to be right over the hill. Always going to be right over the hill. We never slowed down our stride. We tracked this deer probably 2,000 yards. I couldn't believe it. Never slowed down a bit. Just walked walked right to where he was laying that dead. Um I mean, that deer must not have had an ounce of blood left in him. And then, then I realized, well, I shot him in the neck. I mean, I guess I'll do that to him. <laughs> we, we always joke around at 3D shoots and stuff. If someone has a bad shot and shoots him in the neck, they call that the Dave special. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, gets him every time. You know, I've done it once and it works. So. <laughs> but, yeah, so, so uh, yeah, this, this story gets worse. So where we were parked at, at this point, we were deep into the public, this this piece. I've never been in there. So we don't know where we're going. Um, we sent my buddy Andy back by himself. Um, he's got a headlight that's, like, flickering on and off, and it's just terrible. So he's walking back to get a vehicle, and we decide we're going to walk out to this different parking access place, thinking it's going to be easier. And it was not easier. And we did, we get to a point where we're just like, we're just going to go from point A to point B on our phone. You know, it's like 10 o'clock at night. We don't know where we're going. And we're just trucking through the thickest stuff possible. And we, we ended up making it out. He ends up getting home, I think, probably just shy of midnight. And uh, I think he woke woke her up and proposed to her that night. <laughs> now, so, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming that she doesn't know this story. Oh, oh, I think she does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah, she does. <laughs> and she's still married him? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, was just <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if my wife would have done that. If I told her that story, she might have handed me the ring back. <laughs> I think I, I might have been told later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After it was all said and done. I do. I do. Hey, by the way. <laughs> I'll never remember the... Uh, I'll never remember the date I killed him on just for that reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's uh, I've never heard that before. I've heard some wild stories, but I've I, just gonna I, shoot him in the neck. Shoot him in the neck. Well, I <laughs> I had a I had a bow hunting mentor, dude. He was shooting this like uh, I don't know, some god awful looking bear thing from like the 1980s or something. Uh, this thing had to be like an 81 or 82 year old bow, or 1981 or 1982 year model bow. And I'm riding with him in the woods one day, and we're, we're quote-unquote scouting, which meant he only rode the woods, and where he saw a deer, he came back the next day and set up there. But he he told me, he goes, hey, you, you know what you do so you don't mess up that shoulder. I was like, what? You know, I'll just spine him right there in the neck. Just shoot him, right, <laughs> stick him right there behind, right where the shoulder meets, drops him in their tracks every time. And I was like, okay, well. I'm not that good of a shot that I can uh, pull that off every time. I'm going to go for that six-inch uh, vitals behind his chest. So you, you're you reminding me of a of an old friend there with that story. <laughs> yeah, thinking back on it, he might have ducked, uh, ducked the area a little bit when I shot, so I hit higher than where I was aiming, sure. basically. But I don't know, yeah. You know, it's the heat of the moment when a buck comes in like that and gets you all flustered. You know, I can, I'll be one to admit that I'm not, I'm not the best occasionally in some of those situations. <laughs> Oh yeah, I think anybody. I think anybody who tells you they're they're you know a stone cold killer 
uh, I think the majority of them, you can just kind of write them off as, as compensating for something. Cause I've yet to meet, meet, uh, too many fellows. I've met them, but I've yet to meet too many fellows who, when that deer walks in, they are, uh, cool, calm and collective that I, I have to talk myself off a ledge, uh, for a doe. It depends. I mean, that, uh, the recurve, uh, doe I killed last year, opening day, I was with Byron, Byron was filming me. And, and, and I was, I was, I was calm as it gets. Yeah. You were, you were. I was more shaking, up. shaking yeah. than you were. And yeah, I was, I was, it just, I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. What, you th- do you think it has, has to do with the intense focus that goes into, to shooting a recurve? Is, um, it, is uh, you know what? Let me back that up. Is there, I missed is there. The too. <laughs> I missed the buck last year with that recurve. Twice, if I recall, right? Yeah. Second shot was probably just a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> And I hit a tree, so <laughs> that broadhead's still in that tree. <laughs> it's kind of like that third <laughs> shot on a dove or a duck. It's just out of vain. You got to do it, but there's a good chance you're not killing the bird. Yeah, yeah, it probably wasn't the smartest shot, but I don't know. I'll let them fly sometimes. You got you got to take a shot. I think the craziest thing, I, you, you, you know, you just reminded me, you said that uh, he may have ducked. I had a doe out, this was back in the uh, mid-2000s, I was shooting a PSE Stinger. I think it was like 2008. It wasn't the, wasn't the fastest bow. wasn't even a flagship model or anything. It was your $300 yeah. budget. And uh, I shot at a doe, launched the arrow. I think it was about 25, 30 yards. I was shooting like a eastern axis with, with a bunch of front-end weight. I mean, the arc on that thing was just terrible. And <laughs> when, when I shot, she ducked and turned. And when she pivoted her head, she threw her head, the back of her head, right where I had held and released the pin. So she had brought her vitals completely out of out of the range, and I struck that deer at the base of the skull. Um, she, no tracking job whatsoever. She dropped right there. Yes, yeah, she did too. Wow, she did. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, I've I've never like this was. I think this was maybe like my third bow kill at the time, and I'm sitting there thinking, man, they don't do that on TV. They don't just drop down. That's that's awesome. I, I'm like I'm sitting here hyping up the arrows and all kinds of stuff, and I'm yeah. I'm all kinds of excited. Like man, you know that PSC sure put them down. Woo! You know, like I'm like freaking out. I get up there, and it took me a solid 15 minutes to try and piece that thing together, trying to figure out how I managed to hit that deer in the back of the head. I was, I mean, that's, the only thing I can figure is she just she ducked real hard, you know, and and she went to go. She was standing broadside facing from left to right. And when I shot, she she ducked and she did turn left. So you know she just must have thrown her head right there where the arrow was. Um, and then that was that was a deer that should have got away, but just <laughs> luck. But uh, yeah, you do it long enough, things like that happen, I guess. For sure. <laughs> so Byron, you you kind of had a little success there at uh, in in the rut on your private farm. For anybody who maybe hasn't, uh, well, you know what, you ain't got to talk about that one. Did, how many deer did you kill last year? Uh, just that one. Oh well, not, now you have no choice. Yeah, <laughs> we only get one. We get one buck tag here in Ohio. Really? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. Though. That that's not necessarily a bad thing. It keeps the the, the quality and oh, the, the 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 regulations seem to be moving in the right pattern. I, nothing like Iowa where they really guard their deer population and hold it to to the best, but. Um, Ohio doesn't do a bad job as far as putting a gun season well after the rut and the one buck only. There are some things working for us in the regulations. Well, tell me, tell me about your uh, hope and young buck there on your uh, farm. What what went into that? Uh, it was obviously one of the what three or four sits that you did that year. Yeah, that was 
third sit on that farm um, that year. Uh, I had been in that location November 4th. It sits in between essentially two doe bedding areas, and it kind of sits in that magical one-third of the way down on the shelf where a buck can use both wind direction and thermals to maximize, you know, that, that oh, that scent, scent, magical scent area that they use, you know, the, the wind tunnel effect. Sure. So that stand's been very good to me, that, that location, over the, over the last couple of years. Um, in fact, that's where I killed my uh, 2014 buck. Um, same property, almost on the same date. Uh, they, they were one day apart, so there's something about that that magical time with that stand. But I went in there November 5th, and I'd watched doe groups actually move on this trail, oh, 40 yards above where I'd hung my original like metals pre, pre-hung set. And on that day, um, I think it's November 14th, uh, you know, I go in there and I actually take my standing sticks like I was hunting public and hang my stand 20 yards past where I had had that metal, you know, pre-hung set because I I felt I wanted a 20-yard shot to that trail because this year that just seemed to be where a lot of my movement was, was at. And I went through the morning and I, early in the morning, I had like a group of five walk past me at almost eye level. You know, they're using that trail 20 yards above me and the thermals kind of switched and they busted out of there. And and I kind of thought, well, that's not necessarily the best start to the day. I see a few more deer throughout the morning and I'm looking at the bottom and it's about nine o'clock and I've see a buck down there and I said oh that's that's pretty good size buck I pull up the binos and I I find him and I go that's that's a good size g2 I I could see you know okay I'm thinking he's potential shooter and he turns sideways and I could see two good size g2s and in my mind I'm saying all right shooter and I drop the binos down and I no lie this buck at 65 75 yards sees my binos drop and he's just staring up at me and I lean against a tree, and I, I didn't put this on the film, but you can hear me drop some whisper swear words leaning <laughs> against that tree. Because I'm like, this this is the one chance I've had. I've hunted nine straight days and hadn't had any luck, and I have just blown the opportunity because I bet that buck was going to come up into that doe bedding area. So he actually works his way up and then banks left away from my stand, and my head just drops because I know he had saw me drop the binos, didn't like it. Bucks you know, that are in that class don't slip up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually took a seat and a 30 seconds later I hear crunching and I said, he's on the trail the does were on. And, and that's when I was able to stand up, turn around and, and, and watch him walk in at 20 yards following those does that had walked by earlier in the morning. And, uh, I drew back on him. I yelled twice. You can see in the video, I yelled for him to stop in two great lanes and he had nothing else but, but those does on the mind. And I actually ended up shooting him off frame. Um, I, I just had made the decision at this point, you know, we're early in our film career and I live to hunt. I don't live to film, um, that I was going to take a shot, even if it was off frame. Um, but I capture, you know, the crash on, on, on audio, you can hear me fist pumping. And, and by the time I actually get the camera calmed down, you know, I'm, I'm breathing real heavy. And, uh, you know, that, that feeling, I, I knew he was down and, um, trying to text Dave from my stand, but it's in a signal where I got to like throw my phone in the air to try and get a, a text <laughs> up because it's not very good. And, um, you know, it was just a, a blessed day. You can't ask for anything better on a, on a piece that I put a lot of work in over the years. And, um, 
you know, I'm not sure many guys would have brought in their run and gun set and walked 20 yards past that pre-hung set that they already had. That's and I got that. That's literally the reason I got that deer because now my shot was you know 20 yards versus 40 to 45. Uh, that's just a huge game. Bow hunting such a game of yards um, and inches. So that that stand got me that deer almost more than anything. So your ability to adapt. Yeah, yeah, the ability to run and gun and 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 hang a stand in whatever tree I want. Um, that's been huge for me. Dave, do you do you mimic that same philosophy on public land? I mean, it, I could see how you could make a case for either. If you found a good place that's far enough away from people hunting the same spot, might might be beneficial because, like you said, detailed in that first story, uh, those other hunters push the deer towards you. How how does that change for you? Yeah, I mean, I've uh, I used a climber for years, and I'll, I was always kind of running going with the climber, and then here this past year, uh, we started using the the hang on and sticks. Um, I got the assault just like, uh, just like you got, and I use the, uh, the muddy pro sticks. I like those. Uh, I just like the, the rope system, you know, compared to the, to the clamps, but any, any, any of your well-known sticks will work. I know you got those wild edge ones. We, we checked those out at the show. Uh, I was definitely interested, but yeah, I just didn't, I guess it didn't pull trigger on those yet. Well, we have to fix that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. gun style yeah i mean that's how it is and you know and then when i you know especially going with the recurve you know occasionally um and well hell the past two seasons it was it's traditional only um except from when i would use byron's bow on occasion but uh yeah i mean you, you need to be right you know you need to be in a tree that you you, you it's it's all about being in the specific tree you know with the climber you can you can really you know, you, you say, okay, I want to shoot this trail and there's no good trees around, you know, with the compound, you can get, get away with it and you can have a trail that's 30 yards away. But with the recurve, you want that, you, you got to get in a tree that's right over the trail. Oh yeah. I, so I, I cut my teeth with a recurve and my, the only hunting mentor that other than my father that uh, really had any bearing on my, my hunting experience was a, was an older fellow from California that had moved over to Southeast Georgia and uh, he was like a second granddad to me, and he he actually gave me. I've got it right here. It's a Ben Pearson from 1934 recurve. Uh, it was his first purchase out of high school for college, and uh, he uh, he actually I've, I've got a I've got uh, probably three dozen hand painted cedar arrows that he uh, made out of cedar in mm-hmm. there in California, and uh, that was the first thing he told me. He was like, "Now listen." Everything you see on TV with regards to range, you want to throw that out. You're basically going to have up and down shots with that ray curve. Yeah, yeah. Your kill radius is so reduced, and I couldn't. I I, I wasn't up for the, ch- the challenge at uh, sixteen seventeen when I picked up the bow. The first thing I did was recurve. I just I knew myself, man. I I got pretty decent out to about twenty yards, but I started thinking about it every time a deer comes in. You know that adrenal rush or the fact you're sitting down. The form's slightly different that uh, four or five inch group and starts to swell up to the size of a football or larger, you know? Um, uh, so I, I tip my hat to you, man, just being out there going after that on public land. I, I don't know if that's a venture I'll be going after anytime soon myself. <laughs> yeah. It's a, yeah, it's got its downs. <laughs> of course, I'm not passing up Pope and young bucks looking for a 160 class either. I'm not in that same position. <laughs> I can not either. <laughs> yeah. We, I think I can count on one hand how many times I've seen a, a true Pope and young, uh, buck here in, in Florida and Southeast Georgia. It's just, uh, it's not quite the same thing. Um, so let me, let me ask you something. Uh, and this is something as someone who's I've dabbled in, in videography for, for hunting and stuff like that. And what, 
what is your philosophy? Are you there for the film or are you there for the kill? Hey, Walter, I live to hunt. The, the, the whole filming aspect that, that we kind of started on this adventure, um, it does come second to me. I'm not, you know, getting paid by anybody to, to go out there and, and shoot deer. I'm, I'm trying to tell a story. Um, I also think if you look at our video production over the last six months, it's only gotten better. Um, oh, yeah. part of that is, is the, the producer perspectives, getting better knowledge, getting better editing, um, upgraded a few pieces of equipment. Um, and, but also we are going in a mile it, last year. I hunted one set that was 1.7 miles from the road, all uphill. You know, we got to pack in. I can't, we can't bring heavy duty equipment and nine GoPros cause we've got stand sticks on our back. Our packs are about 40 pounds. Uh, if you're running camera and standing sticks. Wow. Yeah. So I, it's, it, yeah, it, our, our goal is to hunt and produce, you know, a video that, that the average guy can relate to. Um, but our production style is definitely improving and we hope to put a, a better, better quality product out there. Yeah. And if it, if it's a buck and it gets shot, you know, off frame, like it did last year, if, you know, if that were to happen or just get shot with when somebody doesn't have a camera, you know, it's not, that's not as big a deal. We can still kind of show the the before and after and whatnot, but at the same time, we're not going to shoot we're not going to shoot a doe off off film at this point. Yeah. Well, I think I think that helps with the authenticity of what y'all do that 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 ability to relate to it. You know, uh, I I think y'all do a fair amount of self filming too, right? Y'all aren't always able to hunt with each other over your shoulder. Dave, um, <laughs> I differ on this. I am a big guy on self filming i i like some of that alone tree stand time i feel i'm a more effective hunter <laughs> dave on the other hand needs a buddy there to one hold his hand and hang his tree stand but also he likes to cut up <laughs> it gets boring up there i like to joke around a lot of stand and uh, we uh yeah and plus plus i normally make my cameraman do all the work <laughs> <laughs> i i think when i went through and watched y'all's videos I, I found y'all i think probably at the end of last season um and I went through and I, I saw y'all posted some videos and I think there was one scene, uh, might be from this year. I, I can't recall, but, uh, I think Byron says something or somebody says something on camera and it was too short. And Dave, you picked up the camera. And you're like, okay, well, what my, what my hunter meant to say was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I like, I died, man. I'm, 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 I'm secretly watching this video while I'm at work and I'm just, I'm laughing real hard and my, I'm sure my office buddies aren't really appreciative of that, but, uh, <laughs> You know, I, I I thought that was hysterical because y'all have a similar dynamic. I feel to how Leighton and I are. Leighton's a loner. He he he'd la- he gladly go about his business. Dave, I'm like you. It, it ought to be a social event for me all the time. Exactly. And and uh, I'm I'm not scared to go out there and do it myself either. But uh, I'd, if uh, you gave me the opportunity to go hunt somewhere by myself or with Leighton, man, I'd I'd rather be there chronicling it because some of the things, man, just need to get caught on camera. Um, but you know, and then another another one that I, I enjoyed, uh, not to, not to fanboy here too much, but uh, I think you had shot your buck and you're walking down Byron and yeah. and you're like, I'm gonna call my outfitter now and have him come pick it up. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, oh, dude, that's hysterical. I mean, y'all are just so relatable, and and I think uh, you know y'all's production quality as it is right now is phenomenal. So if it's just gonna get better, dude, y'all y'all are gonna eat up some of the market share and really. Uh, really do well. I mean, y'all got a good personality. You're down to earth. You're real. Um, that's kind of something I touched on my last podcast is we need some real people out there who are, you know, doing their thing and you don't hear a whole lot of, Oh, well he ain't the biggest, you know, uh, 
I'll do better next year type deal. You know, you all just do you and and if you enjoy it, hit the subscribe button. And if you don't, well, it ain't for you. This content ain't for you. And I enjoy it. I hope next year y'all put out uh, even more videos. Oh yeah, Walter, <laughs> those were very kind words. I can't I can't thank you enough. Um, those were for some very kind words. And yeah, we we hope to do the same. I think uh, we're a little more advanced in some of the videography, but then uh. I tell you what, we put in some some really good hours this off season, so we we hopefully mm-hmm. can produce this year for sure. We were a couple inches from having a two or three bucks down, um, just missed shots and and oh video issues. Yeah, we were close. So hopefully this second run turns out a little better. Hopefully, oh I'm, I have every bit of faith that it will. Um, I don't I, I I hope everybody here will go and find y'all's YouTube page and subscribe. If 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 the if the fellows who are who are listening to this right now are saying God these guys from the Whitetail Experience I I want to put them on a pedestal and make them my mentors where can they find more about you and uh, and uh, follow y'all's adventures together or misadventures sometimes Yeah I think the best place is probably Instagram There's more content there um, We are at Whitetail underscore Experience uh, You can look us up on YouTube That's where all the videos are and and you know that page is the Whitetail Experience. We have some, uh, you know, product reviews on there, and we got some um, tactical and strategy talk um, for a guy looking to not necessarily watch a hunting video, but maybe he wants to say, learn from. We got a guy who does some small farm hunting with, with tips and tactics. That, that video can be found there, and and we got a video coming out late summer on trail camera tactics and strategies for both public and private. So that consumer that's looking to maybe learn. I would definitely send him to our YouTube page. Somebody that just wants to see, you know, what we're about and, you know, quick highlights, hit us up on Instagram, obviously Facebook, um, the whitetail experience. You'll see our black and orange logo there. Um, there's all, all sorts of way to get in contact with us. You know, if you have a question or, or, you know, have a gear question about what we use as far as, as what we're doing, by all means, reach out to us. I'd love to, you know, share any knowledge I can. Awesome. Well, guys, I am beyond thrilled that y'all would take the time out of y'all's schedule. I'm sure it's hard to coordinate and be in the same place. And and uh, spending the evening on the phone with me meant you weren't able to do some of the things that y'all need to to prep for next season. So I, I thank you kindly for coming on the show and speaking with me today. And uh, if you'll hang on for a second, I'm going to wrap this out. And uh, I'll, I'm going to chat with y'all for a second after, off the air. Very good, Walter. We'll stay on the line, and we really appreciate you having us on. Yep, thanks for having us. Well, guys, I know I – know Deep down that y'all absolutely love that podcast. Y'all have already hit the subscribe button, but just in case you missed that subscribe button to the to the podcast, hit that subscribe button, leave us a review. Tell tell me what you think about it. If you didn't like it, give me a one star. If you enjoy the hell out of it, give me five stars. I don't care what the feedback is. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I was born with red hair, so I've got thick skin. If you haven't already, please go and check out our, our title sponsor's podcast, uh, website, www.wildedgeinc. That's inc.com. If you have any questions about that system, it's a little unique system. It's a little, uh, there's a short learning curve there. Shoot me a message. I'll respond. I'm up all night working on graduate papers and I'm up early in the morning working out. So you're not going to wake me up. You're not going to interrupt my day. I love talking about it. Shoot me a message and I'll tell you anything and everything you need to know about that product. Until next time, this is Walter. Y'all be good and shoot straight.